Hello everyone, this is episode 43 of Going Beyond Salvation, and this is your host, Just Robinson, and last time that we talked, we talked about, last time we talked, we talked about, we went through Exodus, we also finished Matthew, and we also talked about Psalm 23, and so... We're going to continue on, and in Exodus, where we finished, was the Israelites had sinned against the Lord by creating this calf idol. And one of the things that I somehow missed in my notes was there was a talk, you know, Moses was seeing that, you know, the people, you know, they were partying and stuff, and it was... It was making them a laughingstock to the enemy, and it just... I had made a note of it to talk about it, but somehow I missed it. But when... As believers, we have to think about that with the enemy, because... When you're a brand new believer, really, he doesn't... We think, oh, he wants to kill you, and... You know, so that you'll be dead. And it's like, not really. He doesn't achieve anything if you die because if you have Jesus in your heart then you're and you're serving him then you're in heaven I mean granted you know you can't be going out there and winning other souls but it just defeats the purpose a lot of times what the enemy likes to do is he affects our integrity he affects our character to where people, you know, they, they see us and they go, wow, I thought they're supposed to be a Christian and they're actually turned off by Christianity. Like, and you see it all the time. Like, you know, we see it, for example, with passion of, of the Christ, which was a really huge popular movie when I was in middle in middle school and it was Mel Gibson who did it and um but then all of a sudden there's all these allegations that happened with and everything that happened to Mel Gibson afterwards you know his run-in with the law and the the recordings that happened that were leaked and with and so then people were turned off going, there's this, you know, guy that, who creates this movie about Jesus and he does this and they were turned off by it. And that's just because that was the enemy coming in to, to, to destroy, you know, what, what Mel Gibson, you know, had done because for the Lord, because I remember when I was. I was just like in middle school in sixth grade when Passion of the Christ came out and there was kids like in my class that I would not think of like that would be believers. They went with friends and they watched the movie and their life was changed. And it was like, it was like there was like this mini little revival happening because there was these kids going to this movie and they were like giving their heart to Jesus. I didn't go. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go watch this. You know, I was kind of bothered and my mom 
at the time didn't make me go. She had watched it later when it came out on, you know, DVD and stuff. So she, you know, didn't make us watch it because I just didn't feel comfortable. But I feel like that was the enemy attacking me too, trying to keep me from, you know, having or having Jesus in my life, but it happens over and over. Like, it was happening to me yesterday with youth group kids. There was just some things happening, and I was just sitting there, you know, and I just knew it was the enemy at some point. Like, I was just complaining, you know, I was just sitting there crying to the Lord, and it was just like, the Lord just reminded me that this is the enemy. He doesn't like what what we're doing with these kids and he's going to do everything to mess up and and it's it takes you know when you're doing stuff with youth group when you're doing stuff with kids especially in these days in these times it's like we have to be on guard praying over our families over our marriages and you know praying over our our lives because and even our own integrity and and who we hang out with because the enemy is going to do everything he can to to cause you know you to fall and so that you know and I just know that like that's just the enemy attacking you know he was attacking things in my life to try to you know, and he's, he's trying to affect how I look, you know, spiritually so that kids in the youth group are turned off by Christianity, by, you know, following Jesus and stuff. And so it's, it's something that we have to continually pray for and, and fight against. And so, I mean, I had this war going on in my, in my house because I was like, this is it. You know, I was kicking him out the door going, no, you know, you are not going to do this. And so that's just something I wanted to point out. And then, um, you know, just continuing on in the story, you know, the Lord wasn't going to destroy the people, but he's so hurt that, and so angry with the people. He just tells Moses, you guys go ahead. I'll send my angel before you, but I'm not going with you. Like his presence was not going to go with them. And Moses was not having any of it. He, he goes into intercession mode and, and we see because of Moses, like we just see this characteristic to God because he does, you know, in his intercession, you know, the Lord does relent and say, okay, I'm going to go with it with you guys. He does change his mind and it's, it shows a characteristic to God. And it, it's something that we've talked about, you know, throughout the Bible reading a few times is that, you know, sometimes what God has said is not firmly, you know, set. It's, you know, based on what the people, you know, how his people will react, he will relent. And we see that over and over with Moses, that he intercedes for the people 
And because of his relationship with the Lord and this closeness that he has, the Lord leaves. And I think, you know, as believers, we really, we need to hold on to that because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of places, like, I'm in America where there's just a lot of things going on that I'm just sitting here going, you know, just a lot of things being done to mock God today but as his people you know we it, it, it it's up to us his people his believers to to repent and cry upon him and he will you know heal our land and so you know and it's we are in that time of and I've seen it in the last few years especially during the year um in, in 2016 with the election with President Trump, I mean, there we were, and I was that way too. You know, I was in this intercession mode of praying for, you know, our country, repenting for our country. And, and now it's, you know, we're coming to a time that, you know, yeah, we still have to be in prayer and intercession because there's still things going on. But I feel like, You know, these days that, you know, I'm seeing more and more like with, you know, President Trump, with my Vice President Mike Pence, there's just so much turnaround happening. And I just see that there's like, you know, the righteous, there's people who are righteous. And I remember that, you know, a couple years ago being, you know, praying that men and women of righteousness who, who know the Lord, you know, come in you know, into places of power. And there are these men and women who are, you know, in several states that have, you know, they're believers and they feel like they feel this call to go into government and serve their, their country through, through government. And it's, it's amazing to see. And it's like, you know, I'm praying for these people because they're taking this step. And so, you know, it's, you know, our prayers are not empty, and it just seems like the Lord is working when when His people are turning their face. And I mean, that's a huge part to revival, too, as you see, because, you know, I was watching a video on the Azusa Street Revival, which, if you're a brand new believer and don't know what the Azusa Street Revival, it was a huge revival in California on Azusa Street, and... And it was led, you know, what started it. And, you know, and there was a bunch of people coming together and praying. But there was this man and he was African-American. He was blind in one eye. And he, you know, Philip Seymour, he decided... You know, he had been called to come pre, you know, be a pastor at this one church, and he, you know, was preaching about, you know, the Holy Spirit. And he came back to preach the evening service, and they had changed, they had padlocked the, the church and left a note for him. And this man had told him, told Seymour that. 
you know, he knew this was going to happen and he opened up his home for, you know, for this man to preach. And, you know, this Holy Spirit movement started happening. This revival started beginning in this house and there was people falling out in the Holy Spirit and it was going and it was affecting. There's people, you know, falling out in the spirit on the streets as well. And it was causing problems. And so they were told they had to get this bigger building. And I mean, just the the story of Zusa Street where it just kept growing all over this place. You know, it, it started with people who were praying. It started people who became united. Because in that time, there was segregation. There was the Jim Crow laws. And, and Azusa Street breached that, you know, breached against segregation. There was, you know, African Americans, there was Asians, there was whites. He did, you know, there was no segregation at all allowed, you know. And so, I mean, there was unity. People came together in union and we're seeing that. And they came together in prayer. There was prayer and, and just, and people started, you know, there was revival, people being saved, people being healed. And we're seeing that, you know, if you see on national news that there is revival breaking out in Tennessee right now. Um, and from what I've read, it's consistent of what happens with a revival that these churches came together to fast and pray together and they sought the Lord's face and then there was just people that the Holy Spirit came upon them and convict them and they are turning you know they're repenting it's true revival at this point that people are just coming to the altars and and wanting their life change. And I mean, that's just, that's just, you know, consistent with what happened in the book of Acts as well. And so, you know, I think it's going to start happening more and more with a bunch of churches all over the world. Because I think it's going to be happening more often. You know, we're getting to that point in time. And so, you know, that's just what I kind of got out of like reading from Exodus and just continuing on a little bit. I just, there was things that drew me in, in Exodus, the reading in Exodus, because you see with, um, in the book of Exodus, they, there's this scene about, you know, Moses putting up this this tent and the glory of the Lord falls upon this tent, his presence. And he meets with Moses and it says that, you know, he talks with him face to face as, you know, a man with his, with his friend. And it's like, so God had this relationship with Moses, like as a friend. And it just shows that God is our friend. You know, we kind of, you know, there is still a reverence because he's our father and he's holy, but God is our friend, you know, and we can talk to him and be open with him. I mean, think about how you are with your friends, you know, your, your, your best friend, 
you know, I, I have one in particular, you know, I had one in particular, but she moved. I'm still friends with her in spirit, and we're still friends on Facebook. I mean, wonderful Facebook, but, you know, when she was living in Powell, it was like I was over at her house and I could talk with her about what was going on. Like, I was just open with her when I was spiritually struggling because a lot of times we were actually going through the same thing. (laughs) It was interesting. It was like... We would just go through the same thing. And it still happens. You know, I'm sitting here and I hear what's going on with her. And I'm like, I'm doing the same thing too again. You know, it's... And so, that's how it is. You know, you just become close and you can confide with each other. And and pray with each other. And I think, you know, when we have such a relationship with God, you know, this closeness that you know, we see him as a friend, that we see him as somebody we can confide with, that we can be open and honest with, and, and that, you know, we still revere him, but we don't fear him, you know, it's odd to say that, but it's, you know, you're not afraid of him, and there's such a closeness there, and I'm, I feel like I'm getting that way with him a lot more, that there's a lot being lifted off of me to where I feel close enough like yesterday it was instant you know and I knew that something wasn't right it was like I went to the Lord and I was just and he instantly was just reminding me going hey this is the enemy talking here this is the enemy's work you know And so we see that with Moses. And then we also see that Joshua never leaves his tent. He's, I mean, I wish I could have been Joshua, you know, sitting in this tent with the Lord all the time. And, you know, he's there. And I think that was a time of preparation for him to become Moses' successor later on because he was there you know, soaking it up, and I, it's like, you know, I wonder what Joshua saw that nobody else saw, and it's like, we won't know until we're in heaven, because, I mean, I think he saw really neat things, and I think, you know, and I think it prepared him, because we're going to see the stand that he takes, when every when all these naysayers are saying no don't go into the land he's taking a stand and saying no the lord can go with us he knew he had such a relationship with the lord that he didn't you know he knew how big god was compared to to you know these these people that they had to go conquer he knew how big his god was he knew how big god was and And I think he just had such a personal relationship with him. And I think that's how we should be is that we have such a personal relationship that no matter what comes through, it's like we know who we serve and who our Lord and Savior is that that he's bigger than our problems. So and so we see that and and. You know, and those were kind of just the main things that I, you know, the final thing I want to point out is we see that Moses 
with his relationship there's you know God reestablishes the covenant with the Israelites and Moses had broke the tablets the original two tablets and he goes back with the new tablets and we see that going on and he comes back down and there's this glory that he has to keep his face veiled and it's like but that's not how we are today you know we don't want to keep the glory of God veiled we don't want to do that we have such an access to him and we want that glory to be seen where wherever we're at you know as as brand new believers and and even you know seasoned believers that we're not to, to hide the light of Jesus we have to let it shine and it's just simple as you know helping you know when somebody asks you to take some you know kindly take something off of a, a shelf that's too high for them at the grocery store that's the light of Jesus coming through, you know. So um, that's pretty much it for Exodus, and then in Psalms, uh, we just see this this story, or you know, we see this Psalm from David, and it it's reemphasizing another Psalm that we read about of who could go into you know the presence of the Lord in essence, and. And those who have this pure heart, you know, that that have not served other idols. And that it's always about, you know, we keep our heart in check when we go before the Lord that we're not living in sin and, and just being casual about it, you know. But at the same time, uh, you know, just going before the Lord and allowing His presence just to take over. And the end of Psalm 24, where, you know, it's talking about, you know, who is the king of glory. I mean, that's so messianic. It's pointing to Jesus, who is the king of glory. And so, you know, David, you know, as we've talked about, King David was so prophetic in a lot of ways because he, you know, and you know he had and we and we'll talk about David and how his relationship with the Lord was and and all, all of that and I think he you know with this and I love this this part of Psalm 24 the ending of it with you know open up you know you doors for the king of glory cuz who's the king of glory and I actually use those verses because I believe, I'm a firm believer that you pray over your home. I'm a firm believer, you know, that you pray over your vehicles. I'm a firm believer that when I leave my job every single day, because I do deal with people, one, that are, um, that they're, they're not believers, and there are people that there are things attached to them that, spiritually, that will try to attach itself to me. And I'm a firm believer in praying though for these things. And when I go into, you know, because me and my husband rent right now, we're trying to get our own home. But it's like even when we get our new home and when we go into a new apartment, a new house, it's, I pray over it because I don't know who was, you know, the, the spiritual state of the person before me. This last, or this home we're currently in, 
when we had viewed it, the tenant was still there. And when I came in, she had some like Egyptian god stuff and she had skulls and there was just, I had this spiritual sense that when I got there, that I was going to have to be really praying. And there have been times that I have prayed and prayed and prayed to lift things off and, and, you know, because there were things in there. I can tell. And that is one of the verses I pray about or pray is from Psalm 24 over my home that only the king of glory can be in this home, <laughs> which is Jesus. And so if you're looking verses for verses to pray over like your home and stuff, there's, there's, there's an example there, you know, that you, there's so many that you can, but I actually do that one. And then, um, then finally, I'm not going to go over all of the reading for Matthew. I'm just going to break it apart. But when we finish chapter 25 in the book of Matthew, we've been talking about the end times and that Jesus talks about and that, you know, we're supposed to have a sense of readiness the Olivet Discourse is pretty much the end of day three, other than that we know at this point that the, the religious leaders are going and plotting Jesus' death. When we start into chapter 26, we're starting, and we there's speculation, there's not really any firm of when this happened, but the beginning part of chapter 26 with um, the scene of the woman who breaks the jar and or pours the perfume on Jesus and Judas going and or pretty much saying he's going to betray Jesus. There's debate about when those happen. There there's speculation that it could have happened the night of day three, which means that the fourth day of the Passion Week is silent. Or those are the only two things that are recorded for day four. So really, we're not going to get technical with this. It happened. And, and what it is, is, and it's, I like this story where the woman pours the perfume on Jesus and he's pretty much saying that she's going to be remembered. And it's like, you know, we got to think about, you know, our lives with Jesus. And when, you know, when we're worshiping him, when we're giving him the glory and just having, you know, just serving him and allowing him to take control of our lives, it's like, is thinking about our legacy you know, how we want to be remembered in this life. And it's like, I don't want to be remembered for, you know, the career that I had, or I just don't want to be remembered that way. I want to be remembered as, you know, as we remembered my grandma, that my grandma was, she was this believer in Jesus and that she loved reading her Bible, that she loved t 
talking to people about Jesus. Like, she just had this way, and it was natural about it. Like, she didn't take classes like I did. She, she just did it naturally. And she just had this way about it. It was like, I loved what my grandma could do. And it's just like, and that's the legacy I remember of my grandma is that she was a, you know, she loved Jesus. She loved reading the Bible more than any other book. She loved, you know, her, her preachers that she, you know, that she'd always have TBN on or she'd have, I mean, when she didn't have TBN on, she had classical music, but she loved her classical music, but, you know, she just, I just remember her for the things that, you know, her, her relationship with the Lord. And it's like, I think as believers, we have to remember, we have to think about like, what kind of legacy we want to leave behind. I want to leave something that is more eternal. And I remember even when my grandpa on my dad's side, he passed away. He was also a believer. And the verse that he picked out for his funeral was, you know, he wanted this verse preached out. And it was in Romans chapter 8. And it was so that, you know, to make sure that any of his family members that were not saved got saved at his funeral. That's how he was. And that's the same way with my grandma. It was, you know, on my mom's side, they wanted to make sure that anybody on their family, you know, if they didn't know the Lord, that they were going to know the Lord at their funeral, you know. And that's the kind of legacy we want is, you know, when we go and pass on to the Lord, what do we want to be remembered for, you know. Do we want to be remembered for having such a relationship with the Lord that, you know, even when we die, we're making sure that our family or whoever comes to our funeral is going to be saved. I mean, that's something that we need to think about and, and, and all of that, you know, so, and, and then we see Judas, he decides to betray Jesus. And there was a meme that I saw once, um, on, Facebook and I had to share it because it was so true and it's so true with our pastors today you know Judas had the greatest pastor in in the world he had Jesus he was with God he saw these signs and wonders and he decides to betray him and you look at his heart as like I think that's the same way we get when with our own pastors is we get disgruntled and we're willing to ask them because we want to be appeased or feel comfortable and it's like we need to we need to watch ourselves on that. But you know essentially he's betraying his own lord. He's all betraying the lord and you know it's it's sad to see but you know, in essence, somebody was going to have to be the one to betray Jesus. So, um, but that's pretty much it you know, that I had to talk about. It ended up kind of, 
I didn't know how I was going to talk about this stuff and it just kind of came through. And so I'm just going to end in a prayer and and for I'll say what the reading stuff is after I pray. And so I just want to thank you Lord Jesus for all that you're doing for us. Lord, we just thank you for for the legacy that you have that it's never going to end it's eternal and that lord i just pray lord that you just speak to our hearts lord that you would just begin your word would just begin to be revealed in our hearts and that we would just have this relationship with you where we can call you friend and that relationship would just start being a light to those around us go before us go behind us and let christ be all around us lord jesus and so, Lord, we just thank you for what you continue to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, for tomorrow's, or for the next podcast reading, uh, we're going to do Exodus 35, verse 1 through 36, verse 30. And then Psalm 25, verses 1 through 11, Proverbs 4, verses 16 through 17, and then Matthew 20, chapter 26, verses 26 through 46. Have a great day, you guys.